In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the last Sunday of the Great Fast. And that doesn't mean that we should stop fasting. Uh, next week, God willing, is uh, Hosanna Sunday, or Palm Sunday, as we call it. Um, but today, on, the, on this last Sunday of the Great Fast, we, um, we read the story of the man born blind in John chapter 9. And in this story, um, we hear about several conversations that happened with this man after he was healed and he could see and he was questioned by many people who were wanting to know what is it exactly that happened to him how is it that he now sees are you really the man that was blind and we see that over the course of the story the answers that the man gives change he doesn't give the same answer every time and this is like a reflection of his his growing faith and his growing uh, understanding of God in his growing understanding of who God is and who he is and what exactly that's happened to him. So we're going to go through kind of like the story here and look at how this man, kind of his faith deepened throughout this uh, story. And also it's a reflection of us, that each of us maybe has different levels of faith in what we believe about God and what exactly is our relationship with God. And we'll see that also reflected in the answers that the man gave. So we'll focus on three different levels that the man had. The very first level, and in John 9, verses 10 and 11, we see his answer. It says, Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. So when, when somebody asked him, Okay, how is it were your eyes open?" What did he know about God? He knew very little about this man, Jesus. He just said a man called Jesus. I don't know any more about him other than he is a man called Jesus. And what about this man, Jesus? I have no idea who he is. He's just a man. His life story is like any other story. We, we, we read a similar kind of um, a similar kind of understanding of Jesus in the book of Acts. When King Agrippa is questioning St. Paul, and, and, some, and, and King Agrippa is speaking about um, what the argument was. Why is it that people want to stone St. Paul? Why is it that people want to kill St. Paul? He says this in Acts 25. He says, When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Even when it's framed and, and, and explained in this way about a man, Jesus, who had died and Paul said is alive, it could, this could be applied to anyone. Anyone who one person believes he is dead, another person believes, no, he's still alive. It, it, it kind of sidesteps the whole point of the resurrection. The resurrection is not just the story of any man. It's the story of someone who was actually dead and then actually came back to life. Not just a person who some people believe was dead and some people believe were alive. So this first level of faith in this man, where he refers to Jesus as a man called Jesus, what, is, what are some of the characteristics of this level of faith? One is, this person has no life of worship. When, when we acknowledge the existence of Jesus and the existence of God, but we don't go any deeper at all in our faith, well, we believe in Him, but we don't necessarily have any life of worship. We acknowledge that God exists, but we don't do much with that knowledge. We don't come to the church very often. We don't pray on our own very often. We feel no sense to worship God because we do not feel that we are less than God. We don't feel that we are to submit to God. We feel that God is maybe just an entity. He is just another thing among the many other things that I know about in my life. But he is not one who demands worship. He is not one who demands my submission. He is not one that I should conform my life 
to be according to his way. Instead, what I do is I try to conform God to be into my way. Do I have time for God or not? Also, at this level, we don't feel that we have a need for God. We tend in this level, we again, God is just another thing. And I don't really feel that I need him. Uh, I feel like I'm getting by pretty well on my own. And things are going pretty well on their own. And I'm able to get by. And maybe there are other people that help me. Or maybe I don't feel like I need any help at all. But I don't really feel like I have any need for God. And I certainly don't feel that I have a need of salvation. Because salvation means that I need to be saved from something. And someone who needs to be saved from something is someone who's, who is in trouble, someone who is drowning, someone who is dying, someone who is about to fall, someone who is dying. This is a person who needs to be saved, not a person like us perhaps who we feel like we are self-sufficient and we feel that we are healthy and we feel like we have everything together. So the person who is living in the world knowing about the existence of God but not really feeling they have any need for him because everything is going on their own. This is the same level here where this he said, a man called Jesus. I just know his name. That's all I know about him. Also, we do not believe that he can make any kind of difference in my life. I don't believe that when I pray to God that that's going to make any effect, any change, any impact. Prayer is just something that we are told to do, kind of like a silly thing that we tell children to do to make them feel better about themselves. That whenever they are afraid of the dark or the boogeyman in their room, we just tell them these mysterious things to trick them into imagining that things are actually safer than they really are. You know, the, the things that we tell children because we believe that the children are going to believe. Children have this simple faith. And when we tell them that everything is going to be okay, then maybe they will believe us. But what about us? God is telling us to have the same faith. God is saying, I want you to believe in me. I want you to believe that I can make a difference. Okay, but maybe we don't, maybe we're not at that point yet. Also, we have no feeling of his presence. In our day, we don't think of him. We don't consider him. We never realize that he is there. We have no understanding or awareness that he is actually there. And many people, when they speak about what is prayer, because we speak about many different kinds of forms of prayer, but when you get to the essence of what is prayer, prayer is being aware of the presence of God. This is what it means to pray. It doesn't mean that I have to stand and say certain words, or it doesn't mean that I have to say any words. All it means is that I am aware of the presence of God, that whether I am speaking or whether I'm silent or whether I'm sitting or whether I'm standing or whether I'm laying down or whether I'm home or whether I'm at church or at work or whatever it is, that I am simply aware of the presence of God with me. And because I am aware of the presence of God, I act a certain way. I think a certain way. I, I, have, I have a certain understanding of who I am, my purpose, my identity, because my Father is with me all the time and I associate myself with Him. And wherever I go, I consider that I am his son or his daughter. Okay? But a person at this level, they have no feeling of his presence. God is not present. God is a distant concept. Maybe we don't even think of God as a person in this first level. We think of God as a, as a concept. As a concept that maybe was an invention of mankind. That mankind creates in order for us to feel better about ourselves. In order to feel that we do not live in this purposeless nothing but instead that there is some reason why we exist and there is some reason and something that we should do. At this first level, we have no feeling of his presence. Also at this first level, we are ignorant of his commandments. We are ignorant of his commandments. There is nothing, there is, there is, there is nothing that I know about God. What is exactly he's asking me to do? And even if I know of what it is he's asking me to do, I consider that he's asking me to do things because he's an authoritarian because he is a ruler, because he is a master, because he demands certain things just because he wants to be worshipped and he wants to have 
he wants to have authority. So he's going to give us a bunch of rules because he wants us to follow these rules. And in following these rules, he demonstrates that he's the boss and that we are not. People don't understand that the commandments of God are not made for that purpose. God's commandments are made for us, are made for us to protect us, to help us, to save us. It's all part of his plan of salvation. At this level, we are ignorant of that. We either don't know his commandments at all, or we don't understand the reason behind his commandments. In Luke 19.44, it says, Your enemies will level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you leave in you one stone upon the other because you did not know the time of your visitation here when Christ is speaking about knowing the time of your visitation because the Jews did not understand that the Messiah visited them that the Messiah was incarnate and he walked with them and he taught them and he offered them the way of salvation because they ignored this because they rejected him there was these consequences that was going to be upon them your enemies will level you and your children within you to the ground here at this level one, we are not aware of the time of our visitation. When Christ comes to us, we are not aware of him. When we come to church and we take of the body and blood, we are not considering what this is. We are not aware of it. Or even if we know on some kind of mental level what this is supposed to be, it has no real impact on me whatsoever. It's just another thing that I do in my week. I don't have a sense of he is visiting me. When I think about the incarnation of Christ, it just kind of seems like a fable. It's not something really real. How is it that God is coming? Why is he coming? Is he coming because he wants me? Why, why is this? All of this doesn't make any sense. We're unable to recognize all the ways that God tries to get our attention in our life through people and through circumstances and through his word and through the church and through sermons and through the Holy Spirit working in me. All these things, I'm not thinking of it and I'm not aware of it. And maybe when I hear these voices in me that convict me of my sin, I try to stifle them, I try to put them away, I try to stop them so that I no longer hear these words that condemn me, that make me feel guilty. Because what is the point? There is no point in me feeling this way. And this level we are unable to hear his voice speaking. We don't hear his voice. We're not aware of his time of his visitation. Also, we do not prepare for the day of his coming. We're not preparing because we're not really thinking about that. All I'm thinking of is today. All I'm thinking of is what I have to do now. I have my work and I have my kids and my family and I have my school and studying. I have so many things and so many things I'm busy with and I'm not thinking about that day. That day that is coming sometime way, way far away in the future that we almost imagine that it maybe will never come. Something almost like a fiction. Something that happens to other people but doesn't happen to me. And so we're not really preparing for it because we try to imagine and pretend that it doesn't exist. And if you think about the way that our society is structured, almost everything in our society is structured to, 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 to cause us to forget that we will die. Everything. I was thinking actually about horror movies. Um, one of the most damaging things about horror movies is not that you just go and you get scared or whatever. That's not it. The thing that is damaging about horror movies is that horror movies make you take death lightly. And if we take death lightly, then we will not consider it something serious. We will not consider it something I have to prepare for. We will not consider that this is not just a fiction that happens on the screen. This is something that happens to me. And it's not something so lightly that I can just watch other people dying. And it's so light. For instance, very violent video games, for instance. We see people dying or violent TV shows, violent movies. We see people dying all the time. 
And because we see death in this kind of uh, dramatized way, in this kind of very light way, we begin to take death lightly. We don't see the pain of death. We don't see the seriousness of death. And we certainly don't recognize our own death or think about it. We try to avoid it. We try to anesthetize ourselves with so many things that we do to avoid the, the idea that this day is going to come and how is it that I need to prepare for it. Also at this level, we really have no love for God or His kingdom. We are aware of His existence, but we really don't love Him or follow Him. This is the first response that this man gave when he says what? A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. This is the first answer. When people asked him, how were your eyes open? This is what he said. Okay. But then we see as the, pro as the story continues, he gives a, a slightly different answer. It says in verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And then he responded and said, he said, he is a prophet. He is a prophet. Whereas before he just called him by a name and he said, this man, Jesus, I don't know anything about him. Now he's saying about him that what he is a prophet. So he's getting a little bit closer to the truth. He's getting one step closer to understanding who is this man. He's not just any man. He is a prophet. Okay. At this level, maybe we have an incomplete or distorted knowledge of God, but our knowledge of God is increasing from the first level. Okay, He sees Christ as a miracle worker. He's someone who performs miracles. Maybe some of us also, we see God in this sense. We see God, He is a miracle worker. He's the supernatural being that does miracles. And the thing we look for in God most of the time is miracles. We like talking about miracles and seeing proofs of miracles. And we, we always want to see that God is somehow going to perform a miracle in my life. That maybe the majority of my time when I'm thinking about God is that I'm wanting God to do some kind of a miracle. So our relationship with God is based not on what He has asked us to do, but our relationship is based on what He can give us. So we see God as like a Santa Claus. We go to Him because we want from Him. What is it that God is going to do for me? I want God to give me this. I want God to help me with this. I want God to fix and correct this and give me a solution to this. Now those things, there's not, it's not wrong to ask God for these things. And it's not wrong to seek these things from God. But is this the only thing I seek from God? Is this the only time that I pray is when I'm asking God to give me something? Okay. And because of this, we easily fall during times of tribulation when we're at this level. Because if I see that I'm going through suffering and going through trial, well, this is, goes against my concept of God. At this level, my concept of God, He is the one who wants to give me. He is the God who wants to give me. So I, if I'm not receiving... If I feel like I'm not getting what it is that I want, then it's easy for me to lose my faith here because my concept of God is wrong. And when I see that I'm not receiving, I feel like maybe God doesn't love me or maybe God doesn't exist. Or I become angry at God and I lose my faith in Him. At this level, we believe that there is no cross for us to carry. At this level, again, we believe there is no suffering we have to go through. We believe that if I believe in God and God blesses me, then He will give me everything good. Why? Because He is a miracle worker. You know, for instance, this man born blind, okay, he was healed from his blindness. But does that mean that he will not suffer anything else in his life? We don't know what happened to this man after this story. Does that mean that the rest of his life is going to be filled with miracles? Does that mean that every day of his life he's going to have miracles? Does it mean that he has no other problems? 
Does it mean that his relationships with every single person are good? Does it mean that now that when he can see that everything in his life is fixed? No, he's still going to have problems. He's still going to have issues. And this man is still going to suffer and this man is still going to die. So we see what one miracle, of course it was an amazing one, an amazing miracle that was performed. But his whole life cannot be char characterized by this miracle. I mean, even the way we speak about him, we call him about the man born blind. We speak about him in terms of the miracle that happened to him. But that's because we don't know anything else about him. That's all we know. All of us might have had miracles in one way or the other happen to us. But we know that just because we've experienced this with God, that that doesn't mean that our entire life is going to be nothing but miracles. There is still pain and there is still suffering and there is still a cross to carry. So we cannot imagine that our God does nothing but miracles in our life. At this level, we worship without the spirit. We worship because God gave me something. And because he gave it to me, I feel excited and I feel joyful and I feel like I want to worship him. But is it really a true worship or is it just something that I offer him because he gave me what I wanted? And when he doesn't give me what I want, what is my response? Here in this level, we don't really experience any change of life. There is no sanctification. There is no transformation because I'm focusing mostly on what God will give me. And so if, as long as God gives me, what I want, I really don't feel prompted to do anything else. I'm just happy with what God gives and I'm, God is blessing my life, so I will continue in my life as, as I am. In John chapter 5, Christ says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. At this level, Christianity for us is primarily a study of history and old documents. When, when I want to learn about history, when I want to learn about Christianity, when I learn about the prophecies, when I learn about a lot of this information, and this information is good, but for me, Christianity is not about a relationship at this level. It's not about a relationship. It's just about studying. It's just about understanding. It's just about, you know, filling my mind with information about God. The last level that we're going to speak about, we read about in verses 35 through 38 here in the life of this man. When Christ himself came and he spoke to him and he said, do you believe in the son of God? And it says, he answered and said, who is he Lord that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. You see, now this is yet a different response, an even deeper response that the man gave about who is this man Jesus. He started out saying he's just a man named Jesus. I don't know. And then he said, oh, he is a prophet. And now he says what? That he is worshiping him, that he believes that he is the son of God. See this transformation that happened in this man throughout this passage. What is the, categor the cate categor uh, characteristics of this level? One, at this level, we know God through personal experience. It's not just through books. It's not just through studying. We know about God through personal experience. Okay. Also, at this level, our faith is manifested by our works. We're, we're, we're primarily not focusing just on what God can give me, but we want to respond to God and our faith in Him by the works that we do. Also, at this level, we welcome to sacrifice for God's sake. When God asks me to sacrifice, we are willing to sacrifice. We look at all that God has given to us and all God has sacrificed for us and we are willing to sacrifice for Him. We're willing to sacrifice even our lives for Him because we see what He has done for us and how He loves us. 
At this level, we worship God in the spirit. We worship God in the spirit, not just um, in an external, exterior way, not just in an emotional way that kind of comes and goes, that one day I feel I have you know, strong emotions toward God and I will pray, and another day I don't have strong emotions and I won't pray. Here, we worship God in the spirit, meaning we are worshiping God all the time, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we've received. At this level, we enjoy an abundant life that God has given us. And this abundance goes beyond the external things. Sometimes we might have and sometimes we might have not, but in all things we've learned to be content. That we have been learned to be content with what God has given. At this level, we are always aware of God. We're always aware of the work that He's doing in our lives. And we love God and others. And most importantly, we live a life of repentance. We live a life of self-examination where we examine ourselves and we want to change. And we want to change not for anyone except for God Himself. We want to be the best that we can be with, with for Him and that we uh, repent whenever we sin and we lead this life of joy hand in hand with God, feeling that God is with me all the time. This is the third level here where this man is proclaiming his faith in God. So again, what are the three levels we spoke about? The first one is we know him by name only. He is a man named Jesus. And that is all that I have as my relationship with Christ is he, is he exists. He exists. The second is we believe that he can do miracles. He is a prophet. He is someone who exists and wants to give me stuff. And because of that, I want, I want to receive those things and it makes me happy. And maybe I will worship, but maybe my worship is superficial. Or maybe my worship is contingent based on what he's giving me at the time. And when trials begin, it's easy for me to fall away. The third and final level is that we believe that He is the Son of God and that we live with Him and that we're willing to carry a cross for Him because of what He has done for us. We understand our relationship with Him rightly. It is not that He is simply a God of gifts and that when those gifts are not given that we become angry and we leave Him. Instead, it is, it is a relationship that goes far deeper than these exterior things. We see Him as our Savior. We see Him as the one who has given us the thing that we need the most the thing that we could not have attained ourselves by any other means, and we look forward to living with Him for eternity. So may God allow us to examine ourselves and see where we are on the spectrum. And, and, and we are not either in one, two, or three. We are a mix of all of these. Where are we in this? And, and see where it is that we should be going. And read the story of the man born blind and see if we can say at the very end what with this man that we believe and that we worship Him, not just because He, he, he healed us but because he is God and he, he wants us to walk with him. And glory be to God forever. Amen.